Hey, well, welcome to the Future Church podcast with me, Anthony Delaney, and my guest today is Rachel Jordan Wolf. We're looking forward to hearing from her. If you are new to this uh, podcast, then uh, why not subscribe so you don't miss any more? Um, I just wanted to let you know something of what it's about. We look around the bend we kind of are driving people around the bend a little bit by looking around the bend that what's coming what's next what do you think god might be doing in the world right now and at the same time for us to be thinking um hearing people's perspectives um in a world that is rapidly changing we have an unchanging god and yet at the same time he uh, wants us to take the gospel and as somebody once said move it towards its its forwarding address of where people are actually living right now and um, so we love to uh, invite people who I call three E people, people who are um, uh, in some way eclectic groups. There's various different backgrounds. There's uh, responsibilities and ideas that people have got here. Um, they're not all church leaders, although in, in many people involved in some level of church leadership. Um, there's people who are entrepreneurial thinkers because the, the next one is that they are eccentric. They're doing something that's a little bit different. And finally, there are people who are all about the ecclesia, the, the bigger church of God beyond the church that meets on a Sunday, although it includes the church on a Sunday. So maybe you're one of those three E people, in which case I'd love you to join us at launch this year. Go to launchcatalyst.org and get the best possible prices and check it out and see your team. We, we are doing something in the north for a couple of days and one day in the south. And it's coming up very soon. And. Uh, one of the speakers who's delighted to join to have joining us at that time will be Rachel. So, hi Rachel, great to see you. Hi Anthony, good to be here. Thank you very much for joining us today. Why don't you tell us where you're at right now? And um, uh, I can see you've got a big pot plant next to you that's overgrowing. Is Love that an ivy by any chance? Or is it a real? Is one? it a, sorry? Is that it's an a real ivy one. plant? It, it, I don't actually, it's not like normal ivy. I'm not actually sure of its name, but um, okay. yeah, we have got a pot plant. It seems to survive in the basement. Some plants don't. So um, down in the basement, it takes a certain type of plant. This is one, and I have an orchid that's surviving. Oh, Others well have not done so well here in the basement. So yeah. So oh. I'm sitting in the basement of, um, I'm in East London. I'm about a 10 minute walk from Liverpool Street Station. I'm in the basement of probably a 300-year-old rectory, um, and this is where the Hope Office uh, hides out, really. I mean, literally, it is a bit like a hiding place. Um, so, yeah, and from here, dream and scheme um, around mission and evangelism in the UK. Fabulous. So, um, Hope got started quite a number of years ago as, like, something that... Churches were encouraged to do something together, do something evangelistic um, and kind of not just look at their own church. And it, it seemed to me, maybe maybe some people heard of it then as like a one year thing. I can't actually remember what year it was, but it was a while ago. Um, and and yet now you're still working for them. So there is this, you know, tell us a little bit about the story of what hope is how it got started and now what you're doing specifically with that place yeah so um hope started as hope 08 that was the year anthony oh, um, i don't old. have yeah i don't have any memories of 08 uh so um with um oh i do or was i just after 08 anyway i can't quite remember when i first joined it will have been 
I think I got sent to the steering group in, was it February 08? So it was kind of underway. Um, and that was the first initial um, initial hope thing. And it was getting, again, the big thing was on unity, working together to, if you help, make Jesus known in both words and actions. That was the big thing of Hope 08. And that's where it sort of launched. And the guy who launched it was a man called Roy Crown, who'd come out of Youth for Christ. He's a real evangelist. So Roy started it in 08 and then it kept on it kept on happening. Um, and at the time, I was the national lead for mission evangelism working for the Church of England. And I thought, hey, there's this incredible group of people from across all different denominations with a real heart for mission and evangelism. I would love to be hanging out with this crowd. So um, and that developed and kept developing. So um, I kept being part of Hope on the steering group and I would find it was a really good place. Um, some of that. Um, entrepreneurial spirit is definitely part of what hope is so you could come up with a great idea and then you could roll it out and hope could move fast because it was small I was in the middle of the Church of England that never moved at speed and so sometimes you would go in if you like uh, uh, take an idea out make it happen out and then you could bring it back in and that was a lot easier than trying to drive something through the middle of the Church of England. And so Hope was a great vehicle for me to do the job that I was then doing with the Church of England. And then Roy was going to retire and I was on the board of Hope by this stage. And I was like, I don't think the job's done. We haven't reached everybody in the UK with the good news of Jesus. We've still got so much of this to do. I think it should carry on. And they said to me, well, Rachel, if you want it to carry on, you all have to come and carry it. Um, and so... I uh, I gave up my job in the Church of England and I jumped across to leading Hope. Fantastic. And that's what I do now. So I can remember 2008, I think I was in Surrey at the time, leading the church. And I'm the guy who always thinks this next thing is going to, is bound to do it. It's such a brilliant idea. It's like, you know, I, I, I still live with that anticipation that revival is just one more push away in some way or whatever and i get really excited um it's and you know how how do we i mean i've got my own answer for this i suppose but but you know like last year we did festival manchester here in manchester and we had you know thousands of people who all gathered together in a great big uh park in withenshaw we had an amazing bands and we did great stuff and the gospel was preached with the palaos there etc it was just fantastic and then you kind of go back to to normal in some way don't how how can we keep going if you know at the same time as you know what how do how do we manage our own expectations or shouldn't we should we like blow our expectations and just just kind of go for it you know what how i should look back over the years since it started in 2008 i suppose what i'm trying to say is you know is there like then hope 09 10 11 12 13 do we do we you know how how do we what what's the best way of us being able like as a, as a leader to keep myself galvanized um when you do something and then it's like oh okay well that's finished and it was great what 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 can we do to yeah to sustainability i think is the word we're looking for isn't it yes so what's sustainable it's not sustainable i think to be doing this all the time i i learned that the hard way um I uh, kept having years. I did Youth for Christ, then I did Youth for the Mission, um, and then I burnt out. So um, I just didn't understand that you couldn't live at top gear the whole time trying to bring, you know, I, I guess you kind of think if I just keep going, I'm eventually... I, 
yeah there's that where is the balance thing so you know I went off and I did youth for and I was I was um working in Amsterdam's red light district reaching out to prostitutes and street people which is all extraordinary but the sheer pressure so the emotional pressure because you know you get involved with these people's lives and they're a terrible mess and you're desperate to see Jesus move and he does um but it's not it's not like in one big, I'm just going to sweep it out, do, do, do you see? And so it's how do we balance um, the enthusiasm and the passion to see God at work, keep praying, but actually not burn ourselves out or the church out. And some of that, isn't it, is 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 the regular pieces that God has put into our lives, the regular rhythm of life that he actually wants us to maintain. And so I think we need to sort of maybe learn from that even in mission. So, no, we don't have Hope 08, Hope 09, Hope 10. We've had we've had other years. Uh, we're about to enter Hope 23, 24. And we're really trying to put one big emphasis on Easter 24. Um, so it's really, really good to have the big moments. But to recognise that Jesus, even when he had really big moments, when he was here on uh, on earth in ministry, he would then retreat, wouldn't he, and go and pray. And he would go and um, be with his father because he knew that he would often say, power's gone out, power's gone out from me. I need to go and be back with my father. So he, even Jesus, only had three years and he had this brilliant rhythm of I'm going to go out and speak from the mountaintop. He's got thousands of crowds. You could see us going, you just need to keep going, Jesus. You've got all these crowds here. Keep going. Keep going. We just need to keep going, Jesus. You know, and yet he knew I've done that. I now need to retreat and go and be with my father. And so I, can't, I had to learn it the hard way. <laughs> you know, I mean, I just cracked and burned. Uh, I burnt out really badly. I got glandular fever that was quite repetitive. Um, I ended up doing lots of study. Um uh, which was quite a good good thing for me. Studying didn't actually drain me out, so I ended up with a PhD. And now I've, I guess I'm learning. You learn as you go, don't you? They're the patterns. So yes to big. I still think we need to do big. And that's why we're trying to galvanise the church for Easter 24. Can we make that as big as we can together? Because that is a really, that's partly coming out of research. Uh, I also love research, why we've picked that moment. And at the same time, we need regular and we need life giving and we need retreat and we need the moments of of where God is refreshing his church and building us up. And we need the rhythms, if you like, the natural rhythms, which is, you know, church on Sunday, being part of a life group, um, doing those things as well as, hey, we're going we're going out on mission and this is what we're doing and we've prepared for it and we're equipped for it and we're galvanizing for it. If we never go out and do those things, you know, that they are moments of really big impact, but they need to be balanced, don't they, with that, the places and spaces where we go, okay, that was amazing. We need to, we need to work out when we're going to do that again, but we also need our regular, our regular rhythms. That's so good. Yeah, I think um I'm just reflecting on a few of the things that you said. I'd love to come back in a moment and kind of ask you if I can, I know it's personal, but kind of dig in a little bit on the the burnout stuff and you don't have to tell me all the details of it but more in a sense of what are the lessons learned that you that things that you kind of think oh, i never want to do that again um so i'll come back to that but just reflecting on mm-hmm. the i suppose it's a little bit like rick warren i always just boil it down to either what it's like in a family or what it's like in a church and rick warren would talk about a pyramiding growth where he'd say for saddleback we're gonna pick a date could be even quite arbitrary but that sunday is the sunday when everybody invites somebody and we all pray like mad and how many people do you think we could bring if we 
if if everybody you know basically brought somebody or a few or you could fill a row and then on that particular sunday you have a big sunday or whatever day it is that you're meeting on and more people come and you get the feel of what it could be like which raises expectations and hope and faith for everybody mm. and then yeah the the sunday afterwards you won't get as many but he says you will have got some and I suppose that's the benefit of when people are saying today, well, what's the point in, in doing more around Easter and why would we do that? And you just end up disappointed because those people don't all come back. And what about follow up and all these kind of things that everybody always says when they don't really want to do evangelism? So there's there's a element of of actually, yeah, we do want to disciple people. We do want that. But but let, every now and then throwing something out, out bigger. So tell us in a moment, if you can, a little bit more about what Easter looks like next year so we can be. Well, how how can I, you know, all right, let's take it in that case, case study so that, that I can be the best possible me as a leader with our church or whatever organization you're leading, mm -hmm. uh, ready to to go for that as a peak point in the year next year. What kind of things have you learned from your own experience to, to start to say no to in some way so you can say a better yes later on? Yeah. So, okay. Better, better, no, better. Yes. So I think what some of the things you just said about like it's having a day is really helpful. So if every Sunday you're like, we need to be really good at evangelism. Everybody say people will never get round to it because it's every Sunday and actually they didn't bother and it didn't work that time or they spoke to one person and they've got disappointed. Whereas when you put a marker in and say, we're going to go for this, this time, how can, I think it helps everybody to come on the journey. Whereas if you just like this repetitive you know, which, you know, we need to do this, we need to do this, we need to do this. Whereas actually saying we're going to build to this. So we've got we've got like a strategy and a focus and a moment that really helps people. And then it is so even now, well, let's look at why um, and let's get ready by praying for these people. Who who do you want to invite? Who should I be praying for even now that I want to come at Easter? Um, and also, what are we going to do on the streets? Let's sit down and plan that. What, who's going to do it together with whom? I mean, it all takes a bit of planning, doesn't it? And then we're we're um, creating a live series. It's about the resurrection appearances of Jesus. We're doing that with, um, I don't know if you know, Dave Smith at Kingsgate Church. Basically, we learned from him what he did one Easter, which worked really well with his church. We were like, mm, that's brilliant. And he said, well, why don't you help us? And we'll try and take that as a national pattern which is he made that Easter, he made it really big. He made Easter a really big guest moment. And then the next one, the next Sunday, he asked all those guests back and said, it's also guest Sunday next week. And then it's also guest Sunday next week. And it's also guest Sunday next week because it's still, we're still on the Easter story. And what they found is they didn't get that drop off. So people did come because they were asked and because they were then invited and told part of this is you come back next week and part of it, you come back next week. And part of it, and it five Sundays in a row and they found they didn't get the, by that stage, people were deciding they've got into a pattern. This is what we're part of. We want to follow Jesus. So we were like, mm, that's interesting. So we're going to try to help churches to build to a big invite and then um, ask people back. <laughs> so basically, you run the Alive series. You talk about Easter basically for five weeks. Really tough for lots of us because we all get exhausted by Easter. As I'm married into um, a vicar, Darren Wolf. We're part of a living community here in the house, and we do a lot for Easter. And then everyone's exhausted and wants to go on holiday. So it's quite a big ask, actually. Can we reverse that pattern a bit? Maybe you've got to put your holiday off because if you walk with the people for longer straight after Easter, you're more likely to keep them with you. And so we've got a live series being filmed. Um, it's based on. Um, 
Dave's teaching around the resurrection appearances of Jesus, but different key people will, will speak about it and people going on a journey to discover what it means to meet the resurrected Jesus for themselves and be transformed by that experience. And so it looks at Mary, it looks at um, Cleopas and his wife on the Emmaus Road, it looks at Thomas, it looks at Peter, it looks finally at Paul. And we look at some of the... Um, uh, what's the you know some of the things that we're dealing with like um, loss and hope or doubt and faith or purpose through the eyes of the people who met the resurrected Jesus to see what it really means when you have an encounter with the resurrected Jesus and that's what we want to ask everybody into isn't it we want everybody in the UK to have a transformative experience and meet the resurrected Jesus for themselves but doing it together means if every church that's alive wants to do this and make it alive that's what it's called we just have this, you get a bit of momentum behind it. We can run a digital campaign behind it. In places where it's allowed, and it is allowed in Manchester, we can um, we can write chalk on the streets with a big campaign so that people keep walking over it. Like, you know, gosh, I've walked over this now five times. What is this? Oh, do you know what? That's the church my friend mentioned. That's the thing my friend talked to me about. So what we're trying to do is, if we do it together, how many different angles could we talk to someone about so that they go actually do you know what this sun this easter sunday i am i'm i'm gonna go and find out because i've now walked across it i've seen it i've been given a really great newspaper i've met someone on the street who was talking about it i've my friends invited me all these things have lined up i'm gonna go i am gonna do it um so that's what we're looking for is to make it really big together because that's why we do campaign together campaign just me is not a campaign but actually if we did it together, we can make Easter really big. Is there anything better than the resurrection, death and resurrection of Jesus for us to be mm. making some noise about? Amazing. I love that. And <clears throat> yeah, I mean, then that's the message, isn't it? People, I don't think, realise. I just did a, um, well, last week I was, I, I did a tragic funeral. Um, for some friends of our, a friend of ours who died and there were hundreds and hundreds of people there. Mm. Um and, you know, I said in the funeral talk, if it wasn't that Jesus was alive, I'd have I'd have no hope. I, you know, there's, there's, I would see no reason at all to be able to speak at a funeral. And as Paul said, you know, we, you know, just make the most of what you've got and cash it out in and, you know, live for today because eat and drink because tomorrow we die. And, you know, it's just and and yet even in I won't go into the details. And what was a terrible, tragic um death it would seem to us there well where's the hope there we always have the hope of jesus and the church mustn't can't keep that hope to ourselves and and i love what you said there about actually in some ways maybe that will mean for some churches that we kind of rein it in a little bit some of the things that we would do that we like at easter that get us tired out because well we've got to do the Monday Thursday thing and we've got to do the, the this thing and we've got to do that and we've got to make a big thing of Palm Sunday again nobody knows what Palm Sunday is really apart from Christians nobody's but actually please while people at least have got some idea of what they think Easter's about that's a yeah. great idea for us to actually give them the story guess what yeah. it's not about the eggs it isn't about all these other things although they're great it's Jesus is alive Jesus is alive and I love that that people will be walking around and and seeing it chalked on the on the street and then coming and finding out about it and that idea again of people hooked because this is stuff I mean where do you go in on that you know but, but can I just ask it obviously you've been you're an expert so it's good to ask an expert these questions 
the the kind of belong, believe, become sort of thing that people talk about as 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 a way in which people end up on a journey of faith, etc. That that rather than first of all believing, they come and belong. Do you, I mean? I, I I've been trying to analyze my own faith journey as somebody who kind of had some of the pieces in place from my childhood, but I'd never connected them into anything that made sense and helped me to see that Jesus was God until I got invited along to something where I heard the message and started to investigate it. I'm not, I don't, what do you think? Is there a kind of, you know, for most people, does belonging come first or, or you know, what, what would you say? Um, I think there isn't a rule. Um, and that's like when we just, when we looked at, um, so I love research and um, behind the Talking Jesus research, hope to write all those questions. That's by PS. That's why we're doing Easter. 45% of the population in the UK can come back on this one, say they believe in the resurrection of Jesus. That's why we're doing Easter. They haven't all grasped what it means, but they have some kind of like, yes, which is enough of a yes for me to go on. Because they've, they, they, you know I mean, they've already said a yes. They are interested, so that's why we're doing that. Then on how we come to faith, um, this we 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 asked because we had this big in this in the sub we had a big group of practicing Christians. We asked how we all came to faith. Family is Christian family is very key and very big and very important. Um, when people come to faith. We didn't bother to ask that question, whether people come to faith in one experience, a journey over time or several experiences. I put that in in 2015 and it was a third, a third, a third, i.e. some people, wham, bam, they have an extraordinary moment. Maybe they hear somebody speak and they just decide to follow Jesus and it's on that day and they know the day and they know the time and they know it happened. And, and that's them. There's another group of people who they would describe their coming to faith as just this, this journey. You know, they started, they met somebody, somebody met someone, they started to go to church. They've been going for some time and they slowly piece it together and they would call it a journey. And another group of people would call it like a set of perhaps more mini experiences that somebody first, you know, they can they can tab maybe three things that that, that help them. And we found it was a, it was a third split for each of those. So I was like. Well, we can't say it's one because it's just it's just this even pattern. So when we're looking at evangelism, for some people, yes, they're going to belong and, and go on this journey and eventually believe. For others, do you know what? You're going to speak. They're going to hear somebody speak. Um, it was my grandpa on my grandma's side who heard someone speaking at High Park Corner and gave his life to Jesus from a completely non-Christian background, found Jesus, gave his life to Jesus, followed Jesus. So um it, it's different I'm I was brought up in a Christian family I have a really gradual journey I couldn't even tell you a day I do know that I knew Jesus so that I was you know when I was speaking I was praying praying speaking I learned the two <laughs> I learned to pray as I learned to speak uh there's there's, there's no difference does that make sense because that's that's the really that's the really natural birth if you like into Christian faith um and then I think my husband will probably be several, several moments over time, but he can remember sitting in a church in his 30s. And uh, we didn't know each other then sitting in, sitting in a church and deciding to follow Jesus. Um, but like different things had happened before that had led him to that point. So I'm not sure, Anthony, there's necessarily like a, a rule. It's like it's also interesting. Some people, they want to know about Jesus. They're a head person. 
So they say after a conversation with a Christian, I want to know more about Jesus. Another group of people say, I want to experience or encounter Jesus. So again, when we're doing mission and evangelism, for some people, they're going to think it through. And for other people, they're going to, if you like, feel their way through. And there's some overlap, but some people are more maybe thought driven, some people more experience driven. So we need actually a plethora of ways in which we engage with people when it comes to evangelism. There isn't there isn't just a, a one. There's not yeah. a one. There's a one way in Jesus. But the, the, the experience of actually coming to faith, there's quite a few different ones. Well, yeah, I mean, we're called fishers of people. And, you know, I suppose I'm no expert on fishing. In fact, I'm the opposite. But it seems to me, even from my limited knowledge, that there's people, some people who go out with a net and some people who go out with a boat and some people go at sea and some people go and sit for hours with a rod and they have all kinds of different bait and lures and all those kind of things. And I, I think just as you, as you were speaking, then what came to mind was a little bit of that. There's this, you know, I wonder if some people sometimes we, we've ended up this, the idea of friendship evangelism that came in and obviously you want to be friendly, but this idea of people have said, Oh, you've got to earn the right to be able to talk to people about Jesus. And so therefore, you know, you don't want to be like some pushy salesperson. And so you, you know, you've got to have a bunch of conversations and, and, and all those different kinds of things. Even the thing I'm involved in, I'm involved in a new thing, Dave Ferguson, they talk about bless, begin with prayer, listen, um, uh, then eat with the person and then serve them. And then finally you get to share your story but the way that can kind of you know the bit in me that sort of says you know what i don't think i'm ever going to be able to earn the right to to share my story necessarily but i've got every right to share jesus's story because it's not about me and and what about if we just get more <laughs> about sharing the jesus story and seeing if people are interested mm -hmm. seeing if the fish wants to buy it i suppose I agree. I think um, I, I agree. We just have to get we have to, we have to find our boldness. I recognise. So the, the the reason I am a bit fanatical almost about the talking Jesus research is it shows such a positive view right now. So in 2015, less people wanted to know about Jesus or experience him. But more people when we did this in 2022 wanted to know about Jesus or experience him for himself. So the country has got more open. At the same time, I'm just like, maybe we've got more reticent and we've got to refind our boldness. And, um, you know, and people, we have just got to have a bit more courage. I was I was giggling to myself. I was I was on my way to speak at a Christian festival and I had my suitcase with my gospels in it. And I had uh, our toddler. We have um, stuff for toddlers. That's another big theme. A lot of people, when they have a child, they're very open. Um, it's one of those moments where people are open. They want to find out more. So I'm sitting, I've got all this stuff. In there, and then this family get onto the train with a, with a small child and there lots of things are going on. And I'm like, oh, I could give them one of my books. Now, I know, I know that this would be a really good thing to do. I know that God loves these people. I'm someone who talks about evangelism. And even I'm like, mm, they might think I'm weird. But anyway, I decided it was a good moment. And I pulled out of my um pulled out of my bag this book on Noah and I gave it to them and we had this amazing conversation. I helped the little girl. We looked through Noah. We spotted giraffes and penguins and it was all delightful. And the dad said, you know, it's just so interesting. He said, I, I you know, I went to, to I went to, um, I experienced faith sort of growing up a bit in, in, in a school setting, but it meant nothing to me. 
Um, but but we went to church for the first time two weeks ago as a family because I wanted something. I didn't know, but I wanted to give my daughter the chance of wow. finding out about. And I'm just like, well, let's just face it. I could have sat there and been classically, I was going to say, British reserved and sat on the train and said, I don't want to interrupt them and da 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 da. And all. But but I had the right thing. And it was brilliant. What a great opening. And um, it was an amazing conversation. And I was like, yes, keep going. Go back to that. It's going to be amazing. Mm. Da, 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 da. And we've just got to take the opportunities. That's what we were told to do. We were told to go. We were told to go. That was the way. And it's not everybody. And so some people might look at you and they could have said, oh, uh, yeah, thank you. Like and reversed from the slightly odd woman who gave them the book. But they didn't. Um you just never know who you're yeah. going to meet. And if you're going to, if we really believe what we believe, which we do, and eternity truly matters, and life with Jesus is the most important thing that anyone can experience here on earth, then we have got to find that boldness. And there are so many searching people right now, right now out there. There are lots and lots of people who are really open. So I think we've got to rediscover um, our boldness and evangelism. And I think, again, we've got to get back on the streets. I think Easter is a great opportunity for that, of being bold, being out there. And again, there's a real interest in the life of Jesus. So we're, we're, we're re I'm really committed to getting the um, Bible into people's hands, the life of Jesus into people's hands, because many, many people come to faith. Again, we found that because they read about God on his own terms. When you read the Bible, Anthony, yeah. you were telling me you read it this morning. I read my Bible this morning. God transforms us. He speaks to us directly. If we can get non-Christians to read the word of God, they will be transformed by God himself. By the work of his spirit, he will change them. And so that's why I've become, and I've seen it again in the evidence of how many people have come to faith because they've read the Bible. They've read. So that's the other thing I'm really committed about is getting that in, in a format that looks attractive, that actually matters, what it looks like, it matters to them. So again, we we give these out everywhere. I've always got those in my bag because again it just matters yep. uh, anyway i am a passionate evangelist anthony but i do think we've got to find our boldness so yes it's good to do all those things it's good to eat with people it's good to bless them it's good to build them into our community but we need to have the courage to talk about jesus because in the end that is what is going to matter yeah so i'm just listening now and thinking about anybody who you know maybe a church leader and we encourage other people uh you know they should all be sharing their faith but at some point we've got to look in the mirror ourselves and think well when was the last time i actually shared jesus with somebody if i'm you know encouraging other people to do so and in a way you know the best way to do that is when we realize it's such good news that people are more ready than we recognize and maybe have thought to to hear i was just thinking as you said it that uh, after that funeral I'd, I'd actually hired a car because it was quite it was down the other end of the country and i ended up chatting with the manageress of the of the hire car company and and um when i was handing it back and she was like oh we you know where have you been oh, i've been down to devon oh was it nice and i told her a little bit about what i've done and she was shocked really and then um and then after a little while i just said to her um i can't even remember how it went there but I, I i did that kind of you know the people talk about the early offer of prayer i just said to her you know well is there anything you know you've got going on that you'd like god to help with and maybe i could pray for you and she it's like, oh yeah, and kind of, and sometimes when you do that, people kind of think you're going to go away to church and light a candle for them or something. But I just, I knew her name and I started to pray for her, and she had her eyes closed and I kept mine open. But the next thing was, I could see that she was just tearing up totally, and 
and the Holy Spirit was there, you know. And and when we finished, she kind of was, she was like, what was that? So you, you kind of got, <laughs> we know there's the, there's the head and there's the heart. And I think, again, we, we have to recognize that the Lord is so much more willing to meet with people than we are. J. John's little phrase is, is great. I always remember when he says, um, you know, most Christians are like Arctic rivers frozen at the mouth. And we need to, you know, be ready to open up our our mouths a little bit and share that good news, which is, mm. I mean, again, how do we do that? We've got to be open to the Holy Spirit. Jesus said when the yeah, Spirit yeah. comes, he's the one who's going to help us to be witnesses. So, again, if somebody's there going, oh, it's not really me, um, I don't think, I'm not entirely sure it's really anybody, but the Holy Spirit, you know, what, what did you say in, in that sense, in terms of what we're doing? What's the, the part the Holy Spirit plays in? You know, in all of these things, because we've got, we can have apologetics and books and all, but you know, but and all those things effectively come from him. But what does a spirit empowered church look like? Yeah, I mean, a spirit empowered church is is one that's going to share faith boldly, read Acts, <laughs> you know, read Acts. There we have it, Holy Spirit Church. It's growing all the time. Um. Yeah. And um, we've forgotten. It, 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 sometimes we've just forgotten what that looks like. Um, and it's really exciting when you when you're you know when you when you do see when you're seeing people come to faith. There is nothing more exciting and more empowering as well yeah. as there for evangelism. And it is the work of the Holy Spirit. He is at work. God has not God has not stopped. Mm. <laughs> so God's not stopped. He's always looking, and he's just he's so wanting us to be those ready people in all those spaces and places. Yeah, you think where he's scattered us all, each and every day, where he's scattered us and where he's put us. Um, and you know, I think there's the, the, the you know that just being open to the Holy Spirit, looking for those opportunities, always looking for that opportunity where we can share graciously. We're not we're not shouting at people. We're not trying to push. We are just gent. It's often it's like a gentle tap, isn't it, to mm. see if somebody's open. It's a gentle tap on the door. Yeah. Just something that might come up in conversation, or a, or a, something that you can give them. A, a, that's why I mean I like having something I can give to somebody because sometimes that just starts a conversation. Um, but it's that gentle thing, and it's that you know that that nudge of the spirit that we have to keep saying. I'm, I do guarantee, if anyone's listening, just pray this week that God will give you one of those opportunities. Because the Holy Spirit will take you up on that one and he'll give you one of those opportunities. It will might be standing in a queue in a shop, the person behind or in front of you. Pray for them Um, pray for them and see if there's an opportunity. Um, All these different places and spaces, there can be so many where we get the opportunity by the power of the spirit of God to um, to just speak into someone's life. I mean, and when you have your eyes open. Um, when you have your eyes open, you you will you will see many more. So it's again praying for the Spirit to open our eyes that we can see what He's doing in so many different people's lives around us. Yeah. I think that's again just having our eyes open. Um, and an amazing girl just walked into the back of the end of church a few Sundays ago, and she was from she was from um, Beijing, and she just said, "I don't know what goes on here. I'm really interested." We were never allowed to do religion. And now I, you know, I, and it was just the most fascinating conversation. But she and she was really moved by the music. I mean, everyone was having coffee. It was a hurly burly, but she was just sitting in this chair. So we went to talk to her. Again, eyes open, could have just thought girl sitting in chair, but had an and invited her back to the next service that was at five. She came. It was amazing. I gave her a 
gospel of the life of Jesus, was trying to explain everything. It's hilarious when you haven't got that long with someone and you're trying to explain. She's like, what's that? It's the communion. What do you do this for? Why are you doing that? It was amazing. But again, God had just brought her in. Yeah. And, this, and if I had not spoken to her, if I just sat there going, oh, maybe she wants a silent, quiet moment. But there she was, this hungry person mm-hmm. who'd come from Beijing. Yeah. And the work of the Spirit of God had drawn her in, and the work of the Spirit of God was he was working. It was ext- another extraordinary moment. And you're like, there's actually these moments all around us. We just, it's like almost the work of the Spirit is for us to see. So we can Absolutely. pray that people's eyes are open, that my eyes are open. Mm, that's, I'm going to contrast two things. A while ago, I went into a cathedral that shall remain nameless because uh, I happened to be there and sat through a service. There was only me, the guy who was leading it, and one other person there. And nobody spoke to me at all, all the way through. And I just thought, well, I could have been that spiritually searching person and nobody even bothered. And then it's like, how does that represent Jesus? I don't get it. And then, and you know, we we have these eyes open things. And just scripturally, what you said there reminded me of Jesus specifically saying that when the disciples had gone off into town and all they went, to, all they were looking for was food. They went shopping. And that's all they were doing was going shopping. And they thought they'd had a, they'd been successful because they came back with, you know, from Morrison's or whatever with all the stuff. And they're all happy. And then Jesus is there and he's led this woman to him. <laughs> I was going to say to the Lord, mm. to himself. <laughs> and then she's run off to go and tell the whole town about how amazing Jesus is, where they've just been in that exact same town and seen nobody and brought nobody with them because their eyes were not open and maybe that's why jesus says to them open your eyes you know look up the fields are white unto harvest so tell us a little bit more about about how we can be confident that the fields are are ready that people are out there from some of the things you've already mentioned one or two from the talking jesus just for anybody who still kind of thinks yeah but not my family not my workplace not where i live you know that's all right there must be some county in england where all these ready people are and i don't live there (laughs) You know, because wherever you go, people always say, oh, it's not like that around here. You know, yeah. What, what, yeah. what's it like? What can I say? That first stat is the one that was a jaw dropper in um, 2015. It's still a jaw dropper. In 2015, it was 44% of the UK population were willing to say that they believed in the resurrection of Jesus. And nobody believed it. So we had to do the research again. And um, But it's like, um, and in, in 2022, it was 45%, 16% believe in the resurrection of Jesus word for word, literally, as it says in the Bible. That's still a huge chunk of the population. And then there's this 29% with what I call wobble factor. They're the wobble factor resurrection people, i.e. they can't believe in the resurrection. They obviously haven't quite worked out what that means. Well, wouldn't you like a cup of tea with one of them? I'd love a cup of tea with a wobble resurrection person because I can explain to them what it really means, who Jesus really is. Uh, the other thing is that um, in our research, we can see that Jesus is thought of really positively. People have a positive view of Jesus. They think he's spiritual, a leader, a prophet. Again, that's a great person in our modern culture. Um, hey, and it's an easy conversation from what do you think about Jesus to well, have you ever read anything of what this prophet spiritual leader said? Hmm, maybe you'd want to read his life. I mean, that's not a difficult ask, is it? Once you've established that people have a positive view of Jesus, which most people do, most people have a positive view of Jesus in the UK. Then we established that um, uh, about half of, so we looked at the non-Christians, about half of the non-Christians in the country, they know one of us. That has dropped. So that's a problem that's happened since um, COVID, that um, 
that we've we've lost some of our reach. We've, it's got a bit um, more complicated there. So we used to have sixty eight percent reach. That's now dropped to about fifty three percent reach. So we need to we need to gain a bit more reach. We need to get out there and join another club or do something. Um, but they like us. Do you know the top traits of of, of Christians? voted on by their non-Christian friends, are friendly, caring, and good-humoured. That I've seen has really changed confidence because people can then, they have the confidence to say they're a Christian because people like us. Yeah. And we're not, the the big issue for that is maybe the media portrays us negatively. If you think of a sitcom where a Christian is portrayed, they're not portrayed as the friendly, caring, good-humoured, the next thing is generous person. But that's what we're known as. So when you say you're a Christian to somebody, they're not going to think, oh, they're going to think, oh, yeah, I know Christians. They're friendly, caring, good-humoured whoop, and generous. That's what we are to the UK population. And then if that Christian has had a conversation um, with their non-Christian friend and that friend has chosen to remain a non-Christian, of those people, um, it's about one in three of them actually said in the research they want to know more about Jesus. And one in three of them said, I want to experience or, Jesus, experience or encounter Jesus. And would we, I'd like to do that. Wow. So I kind of think there's all these people out there. They're out there and they, they want to. So I can statistically, we can show that there are people who want to know about Jesus. And there are people who want to experience or encounter him. And that is a UK wide sample. And, and it, it means that in your mix of friends and family, in the mix of the people that you know and meet, or in the mix of the people on a tube train, sometimes I'm sitting on a tube train or a bus, and I think, oh, about this many people on this bus, some of these are actually wanting to know about Jesus. So actually, even if you're going out to do street evangelism, you can guarantee that some of those people want to know Jesus or want to experience him. Some of them don't. That's fine. We'll let the Lord work with them. We'll let the Holy Spirit go and seek them. But we need to work with him to find the ones who are open. And so it is absolutely true, statistically, that right now in the UK, there are people who A, want to know about Jesus and B, want to experience or encounter him for himself themselves so all we have to do is go and find the open ones and that is not too big a challenge no not when there's so many so just listening as we're going to get near to the end now just thinking again if maybe i know we have people who listen in businesses and different organizations too if you had a i know it's not a product but um but if an idea and you found out that there was this many people that that was what the market actually looked like how excited would you be um the, the you know as you said very often we're portrayed or it's portrayed as like a lost cause or we're losing a, the cause and it's all kind of doom and gloom and nobody's interested etc whereas in fact people are often so much more ready especially i think even after covid now and all these different the way the world has been shaken i think has made, meant that it's broken up a lot of hard ground and they're ready for lots for seeds to be sown. And whether or not we end up with that conversation that leads them to Jesus, in some way for us to be able to, to sow the seed or to water it, as somebody has it said in scripture, and God's the one who gives the increase. Um, so some of the seeds you've got, um, tell us a little bit about, just as we're wrapping up, some of the resources that might be available to people to be able to look at them. You can help us to be able to share with other people. Yeah, great. So um 
the research i love it because it does inspire because it inspires confidence so you know having a look at that on the talkingjesus.org website um we've got uh, that is a really good place to go we've got a course i know like it's a course it's a series but actually it's really exciting it gets people excited about the stats and then gets them to practice talking about their faith and who they're going to pray for so again running that in the run up to easter that's what we say get people get people on the page so that they are ready and they go, oh, okay, there are people who are open. I want to do this campaign. I want to be part of Easter 24. I want to see people come alive. I want to talk about the life and risen Jesus. So that is just a really simple way in your church. You can run the Talking Jesus series and people will get more familiar with talking about their own journey, talking about their own faith. You practice it, which sounds crazy, but could be really helpful. And they get to hear some of the research, which gets Mm. them over that hurdle. You know, grab a copy of the report, read it grab the powerpoint you can share it it doesn't need one of us so take those statistics share them in your church um i've got a little summary video that lasts about 15 minutes of the research so you can hear me unpack it all and why i'm so excited about it that's on youtube and then um the the luke uh, mark and luke's gospels we created those because again we did stuff with ywam and we discovered that particularly young adults were really actually interested to read read the bible believe it or not, they really were, but it mattered what the design looked like. The one they were going to pick up, it had to look nice. So we created one, that we created those that look nice and they're um, they're on our website. We've done stuff for toddlers because we've seen that the younger years really matter. I'm going to give you one more stat, Anthony, as we come into land. 74% of all the parents in the UK with a child under the age of five are in touch with what organisation? A church. Wow. And... Um, about 80 just over 80 percent of them are in touch regularly with us um and they they tend to come because yes they want their children to enjoy something they're often in a toddler group or a messy church but over half of those parents will examine faith for themselves by being in contact with us mm. it's made them ask questions so it's we can reach the under we can reach the really young kids we can also reach their parents so that's why we've created a whole happy land series that's another thing i'm passionate about basically there's people out there who are open and just what you said covid the war in ukraine an economic crisis a period of difficulty means that we've all been through like lots of life events that have impacted us and the biggest influence on bringing an adult to faith is a life event either positive or negative it's things like as you said that funeral the people who attended that funeral they've been through a life event and we're not trying to take advantage of the difficulties but sometimes these things if you like they have shaken the foundations that people were standing on and they've realized that they don't know what the answers are and that their foundations for their life are weak and they are searching for something bigger and we've got the answer and his name is Jesus. And Amen. that is why now is the moment for us to do mission. Come on. Can you pray for us as we uh, conclude this episode of Future Church Podcast? Just if anybody's listening, if you've enjoyed this, please share it. I'm sure it's going to encourage somebody you know, pass it on. If you like us, why not write us a little review or something like that? I always encouraging to read those. But uh, please, Rachel, thanks ever so much for all this brilliant stuff you shared and the resources that you've pointed us to. Um, let's, uh, yeah, please pray for us. Yeah. And just to say, we're on Hope Together. Hopetogether.org.uk is our website. Come and find us. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this amazing time. I just, Anthony and I have got to talk. Thank you for those 
who've listened. Father, I pray that you will give us the eyes to see that the harvest is plentiful. It's just that the workers are few. It was that way right at that time with Jesus and his disciples when they'd gone off to Morrison's. And it's that way now that so often we just can't see. So Jesus, will you open our eyes to see the harvest, to see the lives of the people around us, whether that is on public transport, whether that's going out into street mission, whether that's in our workplace, whether it's in our home, Jesus, wherever, Lord, would you open our eyes and would we see this harvest? And Jesus, we want to be those harvesters. We enlist again. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to anoint us again, afresh anoint your church, that we will go out into that harvest field and work with you and that many, many people might come to know the living, resurrected Jesus who transforms lives. Amen. Amen. Brilliant. Thank you.